Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. I'll tell you, I, I never thought that I could be a professional balloon artist. I actually, like you know, I was an MTA bus driver. I was also a studio musician for 18 yeah. years. I was a bass player, and I toured for 18 years with an amazing European group called Armonia. And what happened was, on the breaks, like at, at these events, whether it be a wedding or a show, on the breaks, I would always see the kids running around, and I would take them into the hallway and make them balloons. Because I always did balloons since I was a kid, but I never really considered myself a professional balloon artist. And then what happened was I would take them into the hallway, make them crazy balloons. And then, you know, I was getting very tired of the nightlife uh, with the with the musician coming home two, three in the morning. I, I just said, you know, a lot of people love my balloons. I'm going to give it a shot. And in 2004, um, the New York Islanders, Mike Milbury, who's the general manager, had approached me and said, uh, I love your balloons. He saw me at, a, at an event doing music, and he saw me and says, uh, would you come to the Islander team party? And I was a big Islander fan. So I said, to be with the players and their kids. And I said, ah, I'm going to step away from the music, which I absolutely loved. Right. And I said, I'm going to take a chance and do ballooning. And that was like, I stepped away from the music. My band was very upset because I was kind of like the front guy doing all the fun stuff with the people because I love to live a positive, happy life. And I stepped away from the music and stepped into full-time ballooning in 2004. And I became a legal business and I became, you know, Nick the Balloonatic. And it's, I wouldn't change anything because it spread like wildfire. I've been around the world because of balloons. And because of balloons, I met your darling family. And, and that meeting people, and it's not about money, it's, it's more the personal gratification I get. I, I just love people. I, I just, I always have balloons in, you know, around me. I drove a bus for 34 years for the MTA. And I always tell people, Nick the Balloonatic was my job and the MTA was my hobby because my parents told me as even as a kid I would walk around with the big 33 LPs and make believe I was a bus driver. <laughs> I love driving a bus. It was a way I got to meet a ton of people um, and going through my life. I met I met the likes of Brooke Shields, who used to ride my bus all the time with her daughters. She became a dear friend of mine and a lot of other celebrities. About three weeks before I retired, a lady came, comes up to me and she says, by any chance, are you Nick the Balloonatic? 
And I laughed and I said, no, that's my brother. My name is Tony. And she goes, but it says Nick on your jacket. So I laughed and she says, I thought it was you. So she got off the bus and the very next day I'm driving and right before my break, my boss calls me on the radio and he said, hey, superstar, wait with the bus on Christopher Street in Greenwich and you have two hours off. And I said, for what? He said, supposedly, the lady you spoke to yesterday is a big wig at the New York Times, and they're going to interview you with our permission. So she interviewed me. That Sunday, I was front page of the New York Times, and you could Google it. It's called Balloonatic Behind the Wheel. And Meredith Vieira and Rachel Ray found that they read it, and they invited me on their shows, and that's how I got on their shows. The Twin Towers on your front lawn. Yes. And then they lit up at night. You had them glowing at night. And I remember you had told us, 9-11, you were driving your bus. And then your bus was um, stopped by a police officer. And he asked you for your help and if you could work for the police for that day and help them. Can you tell us um, a little bit about how that affected your life forever? Because I'm sure... Once you do something like that, you never, you're never the same. And how, how did you have joy after that? How did you experience any joy? Yeah. Well, um, first with the towers, the way the towers came about, the balloon towers, was I got very upset because I heard on the news that they weren't going to light the towers this year. Right. And as a first responder, I was down there on 9-11 for 22 straight hours covered in dust. And then I worked down there for six months. Wow. So as a first responder, it broke my heart that they weren't going to light the towers. So I told my wife, I'm going to design something. And although I'm not going to be able to get lights deep into the sky, I'm going to have, I'm going to light the towers here in Howard Beach where I live. And I designed it. I made one and I, I put it up 17 feet high. And it held. And then I, I realized if I could wrap lights on the inside of the pole, they're going to light up when I light them up. And it worked. And that's, that's the only reason that I did the towers was because. And now my mind is already, I'm already for next year, for the 20th anniversary of it, where I'm going to build them again with a big number 20 and flags all over my front lawn. But what happened on that day, um, I was actually teaching bus operators because I was an instructor also how to, when the new guys come out of school. We were going up Amsterdam Avenue and out on 100th Street in Amsterdam, tall, good-looking guy came out, raised his hand like this, and I stopped the bus and he jumped up and he says, uh, everybody off the bus, everybody, everybody got off. He said, who are these people? I said, they're my students. He said, you got to get rid of them. I got rid of them. And then I told him to take the train back, back to the depot. And so he says to me, um, you're now working for the New York City Police Department. And I was like, wow, I, like what, what's going on? And uh, he said, uh, what's your name? I said, uh, I was joking. And I said, I'm Brad Pitt's brother, Armpit. And he started, you know, like, because I didn't know at the time that I heard on the radio the first tower got hit and they were saying on our radio it was an accident. So when he stopped me, the second tower just got hit. 
Wow. And he, he says, hey, you're a paisano. I'm Vinny Benvenuto. We shook hands and we, we, he pulled me into the side and there was a police station and a firehouse right next door. They filled up my bus with policemen and firemen and I got a police escort downtown. Tower came down, got slightly covered because I didn't have to go into it, dropped everybody off, went back and forth. And then the, I don't remember if it was my third or fourth trip. I had to go all the way up to St. Luke's Hospital. And that was the one that really uh, got to me because they filled up my bus with just medical supplies. Three years later after that, I was the wedding band at Vin Vinnie Benvenuto's wedding. He booked us. He's one of my best friends now. Oh. He's retired from the city. He's a Hartford, um, he's a Hartford, Connecticut sergeant right now. And I'm very close with him and his family. And I love him, but I tell him every year, Vin, as much as I love you, I would give up your friendship to have those towers back up. Right. And I would like never have met you. I, you know, but I did meet you. I love you like a brother. And, and that's that. But that, that's the 9-11 story. And the way I have to tell you, I cry every 9-11. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a very hard day. Six years ago, it became that much easier to cope with because my first grandchild was born on 9-11. My, uh, my granddaughter, Charlotte, was born mm -hmm. on 9-11. And um, so it made it, it made it that much easier. So, you know, I, I try to look, I don't ever want to forget because I'll never forget, mm -hmm. but I, I just, my little Charlotte brings me so much joy and just the fact that it's 9-11, my, my daughter Jennifer always says, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. He did that to make you a little happy. Be nice to everybody because you just never know who right. you're going to meet, when you're going to meet them. Everybody, we're all equal. No matter what, we're all equal. Treat everybody the same way and you will fly high every single day of your life. So you retired from the MTA. Yeah. And you're ballooning since how old? You were a young kid when you, your father thought you had a balloon? Yeah, 1968. Um, I, I used to love gerbils. And as a kid, I had gerbils. And my gerbil, Gilligan, had passed on. Huh. And I was a wreck. And back then, <laughs> when I was a kid, there was one pet store that we knew of. I was seven years old and I was crying. One pet store that we knew of. It was right across the street from Madison Square Garden and I remember it. And you had to walk up to the second floor. So we took the train. We were living in Long Island City. And we come out of the train and there's a priest. This is why I always say it's my, it was my calling. There was a priest there and he had a batch of tickets like this thick. And he said, hey, how are you? And my father, with his heavy Italian accent, said hello with respect. And he said, would you guys like to go to the circus for free? I have tickets. So my father said, with his Italian accent, Nicola, you want to go to the Charcola or you want another thing? And he called it a thing, my Gilligan. 
So I said, let's go to the circus because I loved it. People might think that you don't need to practice. You just go and, and do it. And, but you spend hours and hours of your life practicing these amazing creations that you make. I'm at the point of my life uh, and through experience, and I teach it for the balloon company when I go to conventions. When, when I'm doing parties, you have to listen to the children. You have to listen to them. Like they'll come over and say, well, can you make Chase from Paw Patrol? And if I'm not able, and I hear a few kids asking for one particular character, I come home and Google it. And at this point in my life, I could really see something and make it. And that's what I do. I love to listen to the kids and I research it because if it's, it happens to be like a violent character, I won't do it. I like to keep the positivity and it's like, when I'm at parties, kids, kids for some reason, they love weapons. So I'll make a, uh, like a sword, every, every kid asks for a sword, and then I give them a ring and I teach them. They could go like round and round like this and it'll fly up and they could catch it. And I call it Lord of the Balloon Rings. If I make a, a gun, I call it a space gun and I make it so that when you snap it, you could pop it. My son asked me not long ago, what's going through your head? And I said, you really want to know? And he said, yeah. I said, Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. And that's what goes through my head. I just, I want to laugh. Sometimes I think it's a little overwhelming for my wife because I'm just, everything is a joke. I mean, I, I want to laugh and just joke around. You could see me outside rolling in the grass with, the, with kids on the block and, I just, I, I just, I love kids. I love people. Your weather reports are hysterical on your front lawn with the balloons that you make. It kills me. Like, that I, might be my next job. I may become a meteorologist. 